second to last semester because I had to start looking for my internship, my dietetic internship. And so I was talking to my, my advisor and she was talking to me. She's like, well, what do you want to do? And, and Taylor, this was a while ago. Okay, so just bear with me. I said, I will, I want to, but I will be in a sport nutritionist. You know, we called ourselves sport nutritionists back then. So sport dietitians these days. And she laughed at me. She's like, oh, that's so funny. There, there are no jobs. I, you know, you're not going to be able to support yourself. What do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do with your life? Understandably, a tough question for any 20-something to answer. So join me, your host, Taylor Marks of the Rise Year Podcast, as I talk with some cool people about what they do and occasionally go on long rants of my own about the pains of growing up. Today's guest is Bob Sibahar, owner of Energy Performance and co-owner of Byrota Foods, among many other titles. I wear a couple different hats. I live in Colorado. I wear a few hats such as a sport dietitian. So I'm a registered dietitian, specifically focusing on sport nutrition for athletes of all ages and abilities and you name it, recreational, all the way to Olympians. I'm also an exercise physiologist. So I like being what I call a lab geek. So I like uh, tinkering in the lab and doing physiological testing and all this wonderful stuff. And then I'm also a, a strength and conditioning coach and an endurance coach. So I work with a lot of endurance athletes, help guide them, a lot of triathletes, specifically more so these days, more ultra runners and ultra cyclists. I call them ultra crazies, myself being included with that. So I help guide them for their strength and also their endurance components. So those are kind of the three balls I usually have juggling in the air. I, like I said, I live in Colorado. I've been here for, I don't even know how long I've been here. I've been here for probably 30 some odd years now. (laughs) So I'm not a Colorado native. I was actually born in Chicago, Illinois, and transplanted a few places and ended up in Colorado in the wonderful mountains. I grew up in the mountains in Colorado and have been here ever since. For the most part, I actually don't know if you knew this, but I took a little short little sabbatical to Gainesville, Florida, where I had the wonderful opportunity of working with the athletic department at the University of Florida as the sport nutri- or the director of sport nutrition. So that didn't last too long, not because I didn't love my job or love the athletes, because I certainly did. It was just I had another opportunity that came across my my plate that you just don't say no to. So when the United States committee comes knocking on your door and literally the first editions that they've ever hired that kind of that kind of got my interest so I only spent about a year and a half at Florida and now I'm back in Colorado and kind of loving loving life right now what got you initially yeah. interested and in kind of going down this route it's it's really funny because <laughs> I've actually talked to a lot of individuals regarding this because there's a lot of registered dietitians younger registered dietitians that want to come into the sport nutrition field and I, I mentor a lot of these or certainly provide some information from them or for them. So mine was a little bit haphazard. And, and I'll tell you, like in height, in, growing up, I was an athlete myself. I was a team sport athlete. So I grew up playing competitive soccer. I did a few years of basketball in high school kind of a thing. When I got to college, I didn't play. We had a club team for soccer. So we didn't have a varsity team. So I didn't really choose my college based on sports but I had no idea what I wanted to do. Now, granted, I, I, am, I am not in my 20s nor my 30s, right? So this was a while ago, 
but I went into school knowing just, just kind of something guided me, right? I gr- growing up an athlete, I was so enamored by why the body did what it does and why it doesn't do what it does. So I just started kind of gravitating towards the sport field because I knew as an athlete, I love that stuff. And interestingly, I had a friend who was studying sports medicine. So I was like, oh, sports medicine. Okay. I mean, that kind of makes sense. So I actually just like literally haphazardly just chose a sports medicine major in my undergrad and it kind of just blossomed, right? I mean, it just, you know, I ended up studying not necessarily sports medicine, but I kind of phased into exercise physiology during my undergrad. I spent a few years in the real world, you know, working and kind of bouncing around, finding out what I wanted to do. But then I kind of realized that I was asking so many questions that not a lot of people could answer, like the, the why, like, why does this do this? Why does that do that? That I actually decided to go back to grad school. So I, I worked for three years after graduating from college, then went to grad school in a matter of what was it, it was three years. I did two, two master's degrees in three years. And I think it's honestly because I just have this passion for learning it, but I wanted my questions answered, right? I was like, oh, if I go to grad school, maybe somebody will answer my questions. Some of that happened, but I, I literally, you know, unfortunately, a lot of my professors made me ask more questions than actually answer my question. Do you think, so you have all of these questions and everything, has that been your main mission? Like you have an athlete's mind, but you also have the like scientific kind of mind of being yes. able to help other people. So combining those two and like your mission is to then help other athletes by providing these answers to these questions. Absolutely. Right. So a lot of athletes, so, so actually a great example, I was just talking to one of my athletes earlier today and he had had some lactate testing done. So he's a swimmer, kind of an Olympic level swimmer. He had some, some lactate testing. So I was talking to him and his parents and his coaching staff. And, you know, I'm like, I saw his lactate levels and I saw the sets that he was doing and my mind starts going, why was your lactate there? You know, not just, oh, your lactate was this, but why was it high? Why was it low? Like what caused that? And how can we change that? Like my mind is always like going a mile a minute because I do, I want to, I don't know if it's, if it's being a male, if it's being, you know, this in my trade, but I want to try to, I wouldn't say fix things, but I would say alter things physiologically and nutritionally, right? I always want to tinker a little bit. So what do you think has been the most impactful in getting you to where you are today? Ooh, you know, that's a really tough question. I think one of the main things is that I love to learn, as I said earlier, right? Impactful, I would say the ability to step outside not only my comfort zone, but the standard kind of practice area, if you will. So being a registered dietitian, even a physiologist, there's like a standard line of, of kind of a pathway that you will, if you will, right? And you go down this pathway. So as an example, when I first became a registered dietitian, I've been in RD for 19 years now, right? When I first started, and, and at that point, I kind of shifted from being a soccer player to an endurance athlete, so a triathlete, uh, because I was just enamored by, wow, how can people swim, bike, and run? You know, I was just like kicking a ball around the field, but now you swim, bike, and run. So that really interested me a little bit more. But my, my point is like when you're, when you're looking at this and putting it all together, there's, there's much more to the puzzle. But when I first started, like I was taught in, in, in university, in college, like this is the way it is, right? It's A, B, C, X, Y, Z, whatever it is. This is after I graduated to figure out that, you know, that really doesn't work. 
with people I'm working with, like athletes, right? So I'm like, hmm. So I think what's been impactful is me being able to step outside of that, kind of looking from the outside in and say, that could be a, a method, but there are better ways to do it. And I'm going to kind of, like, literally, I carve my own path in the sport nutrition field. Do you think it helps being an athlete yourself and being able to kind of replicate these situations? Because you honestly, you understand whether you've played that sport or participate in that sport right. actively. I think it would be very difficult to not be an athlete and be in this trade. And I, I actually, for the, the dietitians I've mentored growing up or when, as they've grown up, I've always told them, like, you don't have to do the exact sport that you're going to be, you know, counseling or helping with, although it certainly helps right? You have to have that athlete mind because I've got the coach's mind. I've got the athlete's mind and I've got the practitioner's mind. So when I'm talking to an athlete, even and here's a great example. When I was at Florida, my, my main sport that I worked with was football, right? I don't know if you can tell just by looking at me, but I am not a, an American football player. Like I grew up a soccer player, right? So I'm not the biggest guy, but you know, I'm very quick and this and that, but to function and communicate with offensive linemen who are twice my size and gain their trust and respect. It was because I was an athlete, to be honest with you, right? Because they had, it is interesting story. Cause when I went there, it was, I was just coming off of my first ever attempt of doing the Leadville 100 trail run, which is kind of a big you know, running race here in Colorado. And literally I finished it. It was two weeks later. I'm out in Florida, you know, I'm hobbling. I'm sore, like all this stuff actually had a little tibial fracture that I was, I was walking on like a stress fracture. But for some reason, someone got a hold of that information because I didn't volunteer it. And my point is this, Taylor, is that if they didn't realize that I was an, actually an athlete, not a football player, but an athlete, there's no way I would have gained their respect. Like absolutely no way. So it's from a respect, a trust and a knowledge piece. You actually have to be an athlete to be, I don't want to say to be good at what you do, but to understand fully what you're trying to do with the athletic population. What would be a way around that if someone necessarily wasn't an athlete, but they wanted to do what you're yeah. doing? I think they have to, under, so that's a great question. They have to combine, and this is, this is almost, a, I mean, almost a prerequisite now in the sport nutrition field. You have to have exercise physiology knowledge. And by that, I unfortunately probably have to say this, you probably have to have a specialized degree in exercise physiology with nutrition, because that is where the field has been going the past five to 10 years. But it's also, it helps you understand like the energy systems and what athletes actually do. So it just kind of helps you from the physiological standpoint. Like I, I know a lot of dietitians who are some of the greatest nutrition professionals in the world, but they don't really get the exercise piece of it. So they don't understand that piece of the puzzle, right? So if someone is not an athlete, and listen, you don't have to be a high level athlete, but you have to understand sport. Like, let's just get that right, right? I mean, if you're going to work with football and you have no idea what the heck is going on when these 11 guys take the field, come on now, you got to do your homework, right? But I think combining nutrition and physiology together are the keys these days. For an average person who wants to get into this or something and doesn't know a yeah. lot about it, this is more from like the sports side, I guess. What is the most okay. important factor that is often overlooked? In terms of getting into the athletics side of it? Yeah. It's actually a huge hurdle that most individuals have because here's, here's what they usually think. They think, wow, you know, maybe it's a marathon or a hundred mile event or an Ironman or something. And they think, oh my gosh, that's such a big animal. There's no way I could do it. So I think the biggest mistake most people make is they don't actually start small. 
Like we have to start, like if you think of education, like we're not born and we go to college, right? We, we go to kindergarten, we go to preschool, we go to kindergarten, like we press. And that's what I tell people. I'm like, if you want to do a marathon someday or whatever, like progress to it, like learn about it and don't let it be overwhelming for you. Because if you think of just running as an example, if someday you want to do a hundred mile event, well, let's, let's just start with, if you want to do a competitive event, let's just start with a 5k. Let's like break it down into 3.1 miles. So I think it's a lot easier said than done sometimes, because especially in your friend group, you know, you get that, that peer pressure and you're like, Oh, I can do that. She's doing that. You know, why not? But that's, that's kind of one of my words of, of wisdom is just to kind of take off really bite-sized pieces and, and just kind of build over time. How do you kind of battle with, obviously there's like mainstream nutrition and everything that they're telling people to do and what's kind of expected and the norm yep. versus what you're personally, like your take on nutrition and what you're trying to present to your athletes and just, you know, people that want to improve their lives. Yeah, it's, it's really an interesting thing because you, as we all know, like we see diets pop up like crazy, right? And a diet is just, you know, in, in my mind, it's just another four letter word. It's going to go away soon, or it's become just going to become another trend and people are going to make money off of it, that whole thing. But, but here's like, when I was, when I was being educated in the university system, it was all about, in, in terms of sport nutrition, it was all about high carb, like literally dump as many carbs in your body as possible very low protein and extremely low fat, right? And, and that's just what we thought we needed to do. It wasn't until like some people started to kind of challenge that and kind of go outside the box. One of those people being me and I'm like, you know, there's gotta be a better way of doing this. So like, you know, my philosophy is all on how do we optimize blood sugar through periodizing or, or really segmenting carbohydrate, protein, and fat at certain times of the, the year, certain times of the week, the month, depending on what the athlete wants to do from a health perspective. A lot of consumers, a lot of athletes battle every single day. They open up their computer, they're reading these stories. Unfortunately, a lot of these sport nutrition product companies are playing all of this crazy information out there on their lap saying, you need to use my product. No, their product is horrible. My product is better. Just your diet specialist in sport nutrition. But it's not, it's not as easy as that because some registered dietitians do not understand we're clinically based. So when we go through school, at least back in the days, right, we do our internship, we spend time in a hospital. We are like, that's where the trade started was to be a hospital dietitian. So it's kind of been tough for a lot of people to go outside of that. And that's why we don't see too many specialists. I mean, a lot more specialists in, in, in sport nutrition nowadays, but 10, 15 years ago, there were very, very few of us because it just like you had to carve your own path. So how'd you end up carving your own path and forming your own yeah. views that you use now. Yeah, I remember vividly. It was, I was in the last semester of my nutrition uh, graduate degree and I had to start, actually it was, a, it was the second semester, second to last semester because I had to start looking for my internship, my dietetic internship. And so I was talking to my, my advisor and she was talking to me. She's like, well, what do you want to do? And, and Taylor, this was a while ago. Okay. So just bear with me. I said, I will, I want to, but I will be in a sport nutritionist. You know, we called ourselves sport nutritionists back then. So sport dietitians these days. And she laughed at me. She's like, Oh, that's so funny. There, there are no jobs. I, you know, you're not going to be able to support yourself. And, and honestly, she was right. There were zero jobs in sport nutrition. Whereas these days, right. We see it all, almost every D one university professional sport teams, like we're everywhere. And I'm like, well, I don't really care what you think because that's what I'm going to do. Like that is my passion. If, and I told her, I said, if I have to carve my own path, 
which I probably will have to do because it doesn't exist, then I'll do it. So I vividly remember that because that was the day where I almost had that revelation where I was like, oh my gosh, I need to do this on my own because it doesn't exist for me. Like everything I was taught, it doesn't really exist, right? So I can use that information education, but I had to completely go off and, and luckily, like, and interestingly enough, just to let you know, I kind of did my schooling backwards than what most registered dietitians do. So I actually started in exercise physiology, strength and conditioning. So I had that kind of a head start, if you will. So when I approached, you know, going into becoming a registered dietitian, I, I was actually personal training. I was doing some strength and conditioning. I was coaching endurance athletes. So that was kind of my in on the nutrition side of it also. So I wasn't just trying to knock on someone's door and saying, hey, I'm a dietitian, I want to help. I was actually helping them from the exercise standpoint first. So I believe that made my path a lot easier because I didn't have as many hurdles, even though really no sport nutrition positions existed. I didn't have a lot of hurdles because it was basically like a flat road, right? There were no, no speed bumps. Whatever I wanted to do, I could do, right? But I just didn't know what I needed to do yet. So you essentially were like one of the first forerunners of creating this kind of avenue of what it is nowadays. Absolutely. Well, and especially when it comes to kind of stepping outside the norm, like the norm is like what I was telling you, high carb, moderate protein, low fat, like that's the norm, right? I completely stepped outside of that because here's what I did. So, so I created two concepts, right? I created the nutrition periodization concept and I created the metabolic efficiency training concept. And it was because of me being a strength coach and endurance coach, I wanted athletes and coaches and dietitians to talk the same language. And we never did that. And that kind of bothered me because, you know, I was one, you know, all three of those. So when I would talk to other dietitians, they didn't understand the exercise. When I talked to coaches, they didn't understand the nutrition. I was like, why can't we all just be on the same page? Right. So that's what kind of led me to creating those concepts that I wanted to actually have everyone come together and be able to have these conversations, finally. So what was the process like for creating those systems? Nutrition periodization was the first one. That was in the, in the early 2000s. And basically, I used my knowledge as a physiologist and as a coach in, the, in periodizing. So periodization is basically, undul- from an athlete's standpoint, it's undulating or changing the volume and intensity of their training. And some athletes know they do it. Some athletes don't know. Like team sport athletes, they go through different seasons, preseason, during season, and postseason. Endurance athletes, we call it different things, but it's, it's still same. It's still similar seasons or training cycles. So really in looking at that, I, I, I knew that that was the platform. And what I did was I actually went to the research and I looked at literally all sorts of, of athletes and I gravitated more towards endurance athletes because honestly, Taylor, feeding an athlete, feeding an endurance athlete is a lot tougher than feeding like a baseball player or a football player because they're out and about, right? And they've got all these digestive concerns because they might be running or cycling or doing whatever. Like it's just more difficult. So I hit the research, I hit the books, and I looked for basically what the ranges that athletes were consuming, ranges of carb, protein, and fat. And that's actually how I based my whole nutrition periodization concept. So I found out what they're doing in research. Then I put my real life spin on it. And I said, okay, if this is what we see in research, this is what we're doing in real life. Let me actually devise this concept to help athletes and coaches 
basically steer correctly as they go up and down training cycles. So it's like all my concepts or both of my concepts are all science-based, all research-based, but my big thing is adding the huge splash of real life into it. Like it's not just, Taylor, here's what the research says. Because a lot of times we know that's actually not what happens in real life. Doesn't mean we're really doing that with athletes. And so that's transferable to any athlete, no matter which sport they play? It, it is. There are a few idiosyncrasies. So like wrestlers, like if, if there's any type of weight class or aesthetic part, there's a little bit like a little bit different. So this is where like, like I created this big concept, nutrition periodization. Now we kind of need to sprinkle on the individuality, right? So wrestlers require something different, gymnasts, dancers, figure skaters, right? But I would even say, you know, weightlifters, football players, triathletes, like we're all following nutrition periodization, but in a very different way at different times of the year, depending on the competition season. So the, the concept itself is the foundation, like literally whenever I work with an athlete, the foundation of what I do is nutrition periodization. Like I figure out what are their training cycles like, obviously what are the energy demands and the, the primary energy systems um, of their sport? Is it a body class or a body weight class sport? Are there aesthetics? You know, is it male, is it female? What are we trying to do? So everything gets built on that foundation and then we move up to the individual. When did you yeah. decide to go off on your own and start your own company and build your own systems oh, that and everything? Great question. So it was, I probably had, let me think back here. I probably had seven years of working for other people underneath my belt. And this was, this was after grad school. So I had already spent, you know, three years in between my undergrad and grad. So I, I was, you know, working in the real world, doing various things in the health and fitness industry. But then I, I started working. I remember this it was 2001. I started working, you know, full-time salary benefits, like the whole, wow, this is great thing in 2008. So I I had some awesome, like I had some awesome jobs. I really did like university of Florida, Olympic committee, some sport med clinics. Like it was just like awesome. But here's the thing. Every single year in every opportunity, I would learn more and more and more. Like we know this, right? I actually counsel a lot of young dietitians because it seems like these days off on a tangent really quick. It seems like these days, a lot of these, at least dietitians coming out of school, they want to, they want to own their own business. They want to work for themselves. And I'm like the first one to support them. But I'm also the first one to say, put your brakes on because you don't really know what happens in the real world in, in terms of like, I know what's being taught in university. I also know, know what we're doing in real life with athletes and they usually don't match. Right. So I tell them you need experience. Like you need to either work for someone, find a good mentor, but owning your own business while you first come out of school, unless, unless you're just not wanting to make a lot of money and support yourself too well, it's going to be very difficult. So I always tell people like build up to that, like spend a few years working for somebody. So you develop your own knowledge and your own system. So that said, I spent postgraduate degrees, seven years working for various companies. And I, I vividly remember this because it was, it was 2008. I was working for the U S Olympic committee and like dream job for a sport dietitian, right? I went to the Beijing Olympics. I was like the team sport dietitian for team USA and the triathlon team. And it's like, I live in on cloud nine. And after the Olympics, I was like, huh. And I was talking to my boss who was like one of my, one of my mentors and I'm just an awesome, awesome person. And I said, you know, I'm having this itch, this itch of like, expanding like I don't like I love working with Olympians but I actually want to take my knowledge that I've gained and I want to like 
unleash it to, to like the world, to recreational athletes, because I can have a larger footprint that way. And he was great. He was like, you know, this happens after every Olympics. Everybody kind of assesses, you know, where they're at. He's like, I would totally support you if you want to do that. And, but he told me, he said, you actually do, you kind of put in your time. You've got the skills. You've got the knowledge. Now would be a very good time for you to do it if you want. Like you could certainly stay here. And I decided to, you know, plug my nose and jump in the, the deep end with both feet. And unfortunately, that was like a, a recession year, right? And I'm like trying to start my business and, you know, t- the end of 2008. But here's the interesting thing and, and why I'm a little bit different. And I think why I'm not going to say why I'm more successful, but why it's a little bit easier of a path for me. Because in, in my business of what I do, and I explained this earlier of who I am in, in terms of my career, I am an endurance coach. I am a physiologist and I'm a sport dietitian. So I actually have three spokes of my business or three, three rungs of my business. So great, great time, you know, great example with this whole COVID thing earlier this year, two out of the three, you know, spokes almost broke, right? Because everyone, you know, I work with athletes, athletes were like, we don't know what we're doing. Competitions are, are canceled. So that allowed me to kind of shift my focus based on whatever one wasn't doing that great, right? So not a lot of dietitians because because a lot of dietitians only do nutrition. That's what I'm trying to expand to, to younger individuals is that let's look outside the box a little bit. Let's look for different revenue streams. And I'm not talking, you know, selling stuff on eBay kind of a thing. I'm talking like, what can you do as a professional in addition to what you're doing? Because I believe if you want to be on your own, I believe that's one of the most successful ways of doing it. And we see that more and more these days, for sure. Do any of them speak more to you? Or are they all kind of like on an even playing field? You know, I think, I think exercise physiology, just to me, it just goes with sport nutrition. Like it's just, it, it's like, it, it's like a really, I don't even want to say a married couple, you know, because there's the whole divorce thing and everything. I just think like it belongs together. It really does. Like, like if I think sport nutrition I'm automatically thinking physiology with it. So I would definitely delineate kind of sport nutrition, exercise, phys with the coaching, kind of the endurance coaching thing. So that there's a, in my mind, there's a clear split there. Even though you share similarities, there is a very clear split. What was the point when the two like really started to merge? Cause you were saying like when you were going to school, which I mean, granted, like yeah. isn't too, too long ago, but there obviously was a yeah. clear divide versus nowadays. It's like they literally are basically one piece. They are. They are for sure. Well, thank you for that. Number one, because <laughs> I, I do show my age pretty well. So thank you. You know, I, I think it was literally when I started to try to kind of carve my own path, when I really stepped back and said, wow, this physiology actually belongs with the nutrition. Like we can't talk about it separately anymore. Because, you know, in, in, you know, in school, like I, I've got three college degrees, right? One in exercise and sports science, that's your exercise phys. And then my first master's degree is in health and exercise science with a kind of an emphasis on metabolism. And then my third one was food science and human nutrition. So to your point, those were very separate back in the days. Nowadays, we see like an integrated sport nutrition and physiology, and they don't even call it that, but you're getting kind of the boast of both the best worlds here. So it was really when I started to take notice of, I kind of want to do this on my own now, how, how important I realized that those two concepts and those two fields actually should have converged and, and would converge. What's the difference between an RD, a nutritionist, 
And I guess, I, I don't know if they'd be considered nutritionists, but oh my gosh, the name escapes me right now, but it's a pretty popular yeah. exam or like something you can take online that people do. Typically it kind of goes hand in hand with somebody who does CrossFit. They'll typically have this oh, type of nutrition yeah. certification. I think you could probably lump that into any of the certifications, to be honest with you. So it doesn't have to be like a specific one is what I'm saying. Cause there's, there's like a good handful of them out there that, that are, I, I guess they just kind of uphold to those standards of just being a certification. Right. And some of them are better than others, but here's, here's the, I, I'm so glad you asked that question. So registered dietitian, if someone has RD or RDN, next to their name, you know that they have at least a four-year degree. They've gone through a clinical internship, which is usually 10 to 12 months, and, and it's not a paid internship, so it, it kind of sucks. Then you have to take the national exam and hope to God you pass. Then you have to actually uphold your continuing education credits every four years. So you have to get certain things every four years just to be able to, to stay in RD. If I, if I may transition for a second, there's also, and it's not new anymore, it's probably... 12, 15 years, there's what's called, there's a board certification now in nutrition that only registered dietitians can get. So it's called board certified specialist in sport dietetics. So it's alphabet soup. I get it right. But it's, it's CSSD next to someone's name. But here's the great thing. Like only registered dietitians can sit for that exam and to sit for the exam. I forgot how many hours you need these days, but it used to be like you had to accumulate 2000 practice hours with another sport dietitian or in a sport setting just to be able to take the exam. So like when you talk to someone who's an RD and a CSSD, like, you know, they've gone through the schooling, they've gone through the internship. They've like, they've really, it's almost like a board certification for a doctor. So you know that they've gone through all of those steps. A nutritionist literally is anybody you see outside of being an RD. Like my mom is a nutritionist. My kids are nutritionist. Like anybody that claims that they know about nutrition they are a nutritionist, right? And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying the like, like some nutritionists have actually had really good schooling, but they didn't pursue becoming a registered dietitian, right? For, for whatever reason. I actually have a lot of friends who are uber, uber smart nutritionists, but they're not RDs. So that can actually hamper what they want to do in their career. And a nutritionist and an RD, very, very separate. So nutritionist doesn't need any schooling at all. You don't even need a, a certification, to be honest with you. You could just call yourself a nutritionist. You could be like, I know a lot of coaches, who, like sport coaches, who call themselves nutritionists. And they shouldn't do that, right? <laughs> but there's, there's a legal line that we walk to. Like registered dietitians, we can do anything from a medical nutrition standpoint. So think of any health or disease states, even which is really coming in handy these days. Like I work with athletes who have type 1 diabetes. I work with athletes who have, you know, IBS, who have Crohn's disease, who have celiac. So we are actually not only trained in that, but we're also legally allowed to practice that type of nutrition. Whereas any other nutritionist, they can't even touch that with a 10 foot stick unless they want to get, unfortunately, taken to court. If you had a yeah. book written about you, what would the title of the book be? Salmon Swimming Upstream. How about that? Really? Or, or Break the Norm. Or it's just like everything that I do, and it's not out of spite or anything, but it's trying to find better ways to do it. And I don't want to say new ways, right? But, but better, more efficient ways. Like I am all about efficiency as a, as a coach, as an athlete, as a dietitian. I'm all about how do we do this better? But I continually like to challenge the norms. I love that. Like I love it to death. Like to the point where I will go out of my way sometimes 
to try to have conversations with people to try not to challenge them, but to challenge the norm. Like, why is it this way? Like, so you subscribe to a diet, right? Well, why? Like, what is it about that? And can it be better? Or, you know, so I'm always trying to continually, I don't want to say change, but I'm, I want to say improve systems, if you will. What do you think's the most important or maybe like, you know, two to three important factors of somebody, because you just mentioned diet. So I think that's interesting of either committing to and like sticking to a diet and or a yeah. training plan or program. That's a good, that's a good question. So here's, here's my take on what you just said. And I, this is, this is who I am, right? If you follow a training program, you should follow a nutrition program. So if you, if you follow a training program, you shouldn't follow a diet because a training program to me is an evolution of getting like trying things like getting better, getting better and getting better. Same thing with nutrition. Like you're trying things to get better. Whereas a diet it's, it's total elimination. It tells you no and yes, it defines good and bad. It's basically black or white. There's no gray area. Right. So I think, so, so to start with that, I would say, well, if you certainly are following a training program, you should follow a nutrition program. So Here's, here's something fun I like to do. Whenever I talk to an athlete, I always challenge myself. I never, well, let me put it this way. About maybe 99.9% .9 of the time, I never use the word diet in any conversation because it really isn't, right? If you think about it, like diet to me is like, put me in a hospital, right? I have to create a diet for you to get better, to be discharged. But in athletics, if you're looking at how do we evolve your nutrition program, to support your training program. So I think when people understand, oh, I'm eating to actually support my training and my recovery and my health goals and my, my performance goals, then they understand it more. So it doesn't become as laborious. It certainly doesn't become the diet mentality where they're going to succeed or not succeed. You'll make mistakes just like you do in your training, right? I mean, I know a lot of athletes who are like, hey, you know, I really should have ran five today, but I ended up running 12. I'm like, that probably wasn't the smartest thing, but what did you learn? What, what happened from that, right? Oh, I learned that I should do that because now I'm injured <laughs> or whatever it is. So it, it's kind of going around your question, but I think we need to help people identify that the nutrition plan should be supporting the training plan, not a diet-based mentality. That's a super interesting way to go about it answering that question and the take on it yeah. um, that isn't mainstream at all, which is why it's kind of one of those annoying things because it's if you know it's there, yeah. And it's like the information is available and accessible, but people go yep. this route just because that's what everybody else does. And so just constantly following exactly. that one stream is, and just trying to beat against exactly. the grain is, is annoying. It's, and it's hard, right? Yeah. It, it is literally hard to do. Got to make strides where you can. And I commend you for that and what you're doing. Thank you. um, what does an average day, so you can either do mid Corona or, you know, uh, yeah. pre-corona, but what's an average day look like for you? Yeah, yeah, that's actually, I laugh because I get this question so much and I get a lot of younger dietitians are like, hey, can we come shadow you for a day? And I'm like, well, what, what day would that be? Because it's not like I just go into an office and work nine to five. So like an average day, I guess, like right now, like let's like, like we're full on in it right now. An average day right now would literally be something like, like waking up. I always like look at honestly, and I geek out on this, but I always, you know, look at some research and see what's kind of coming across the research line in terms of nutrition and exercise physiology, just to keep my finger on the pulse. But it could be like today so far, I actually started with doing that. Then I'm, I'm creating this new 
so I've got, I've got a couple of the balls in the air, which you may or may not know of, but one is my Baroda Foods uh, company that I co-own with another sport dietitian. So we're, we're always constantly trying to improve that. So this morning was actually starting with, okay, I've got to fulfill some orders there. So nothing to do with being a dietitian or a physiologist, but, but kind of, sort of, because I help create this. So fulfilling orders, and then I'm actually making this new, creating this new snack mix. It's my gourmet snack mix. So I'm actually literally my little notebook right here, I am looking at the different ingredients that I will source to put in this snack mix to make it anti-inflammatory, high antioxidants, so on and so forth. So yes, I get to use a little bit of nutrition there. And then I've had a few phone calls with athletes. So my sport nutrition coaching athletes. And then that's like a typical day. You know, yesterday I was in my lab for a couple hours doing a metabolic efficiency test on an athlete. So it, it, it totally bounces around. Like it totally depends on, on the day, but it could be in the lab testing or, you know, kind of in my home office, having phone calls with athletes or on the other end of things, like creating new things, or even like right, right now I'm starting to update my metabolic efficiency book to become the third edition instead of second. So I'm, I'm doing some research there. So it, it kind of is a, it's, it's kind of a splash of a little bit of everything. And I don't think many people can, like, cause I honestly, I get asked, how do you do all that? And it's not that I do all that. It's that I want to do all like it. That's just how I work. Right. And that's actually always how I worked. I never really focused on that, but it was like, I always had something going on. Right. And so my brain is just always working, whether it's sourcing ingredients or how can I improve an athlete's health and performance better. What are two pros and two cons to what you do? Ooh, you know, pros, honestly, if, and this is going to sound corny, but I really literally think I was put on this earth to help people improve their health and performance. I honestly, like honestly do. So that's a huge pro. Like the fact that I get to help influence people and improve their health and performance is awesome. Right. Absolutely. Hands down. The other pro like where I'm at now is I have a lot of flexibility to be able to do what I want to do. Right. And, and it wasn't always this way, right. It was like early on when you're, when you're working for people, you're very limited you have very limited hours, but the, the pro is that you can kind of build and create things as long as you have that, that type of uh, mentality cons, a lot of stress, like in, in any trade has it, let's just put it that way. But the stress of, of basically like I, I hold this very seriously. Like what if I'm not able to help this athlete, right? I always have that stress, even though I've got a lot of knowledge, got a lot of experience every so often, whether it's the athlete, whether it's me, whether we're just not on the same page or they're not really ready to make change yet. That's kind of a, a, a con for me because I don't want to not be able to help an athlete, right? I know it sounds weird, but that's, that's one of my huge cons. Another con would be, I think it's some, like sometimes, and it just very seldom, I think, you know, am I doing as much as I can be doing, right? And, and it is a con because I am only one person, even though I have got a couple of dietitians and coaches that work with me, I can only do, I can only reach so many, right? So it is actually a con, even though you think, wow, that's, uh, you got the life, right? It's a con because I don't feel like I, I can really still touch the same amount of people. Now I've tried with books and podcasts and webinars and everything, but I still think at, at a certain point, I still have limitations and I have to respect my limitations, which, you know, as you grow older, you actually learn to respect your limitations a little bit more. I think that's an interesting point about how, you know, you can't reach everyone. And yeah. with that profession, 
in general is it's not scalable in the sense of you can, like you said, build a book or, or write a book or you could build yep. an app or something, but it's not scalable in the yep. sense of like people aren't able to, you know, essentially pick your brain and take your knowledge and get exactly. that one-on-one -on -one experience, which is what this profession is all about is getting to Absolutely. work with you and tweak and everything. Absolutely. Yeah. It's much more than a book. That's actually well said. Cause I have a lot of athletes who read, will read one of my books and they said, it's great, but I still don't know what to do. And I'm like, really? And I get it. I'm like, Oh, that makes sense. Cause you really like, we write books and we read books to gain that knowledge, but there's really not a step-by-step -step because we are so, even if you see these, you know, quote unquote diet books out there. And if they give you the step-by-step, -step, it doesn't exist because we are so individual, right? If you had 24 hours to live, unlimited money and yeah. can travel anywhere at the snap of your fingers and bring whoever you wanted what would you do holy moly that's a lot there i you know interestingly i am a little bit more of an introvert than an extrovert i'm i'm i definitely am an, am an introverted extrovert if you will or an extroverted introvert however that is i love spending time in uh, literally and it's probably my bias because i grew up in colorado but i would probably literally go to the tallest mountain where I could sustain myself and honest to God, bring my wife and just enjoy like the best thing in the world for me is to enjoy nature either by myself or with my companion in life and just to kind of ride it out. Would Bob at eight, yeah. 10, 12, whatever age you want to pick, would he be happy with where you are now and what you're doing? It would probably be a little bit older, probably like that 12-ish, because I don't think I even started even thinking what I would do. You know, and, and like I grew up, you know, with people not saying, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? And I think these days we kind of pressure kids sometimes. I would say, you know, in my young teenage years, my, my goal, like I think as many boys of that age, you, you know, you want to be a police officer, a firefighter. I wanted to be a professional athlete. I didn't know in what sport, but I think a lot of us grew up doing that. I would say confidently 100%, he would really enjoy the path that's, that I have decided to take because I'm not a professional athlete, but I'm, I have the, the just wonderful nature and, and I'm blessed to be able to work with athletes of, of all ages and all abilities, but I've definitely worked with my good share of professionals, Olympians. And I think that's helped me kind of, kind of guided me on my path, but also put the, put the positive spin on, wow, I'm really impacting. And it, this is like the path that, that I was meant to be on. So what do you want to accomplish in the next six to 12 months, either personally or mm -hmm. professionally? Well, you know, professionally, I just, I just want to change the way things are done in my field, but it's not going to happen in six to 12 months. So, I mean, I'm trying, I really am. I've been trying for 19 years now. So, so little by little, I am kind of chipping away, you know, making that, that marble statue and, and little by little, I'm helping individuals understand like, you know, nutrition periodization, like just this whole thing. So professionally, I, you know, I've got a couple projects uh, that I'm working on. One is, is the updated edition of my metabolic efficiency training book, which I believe will be a huge resource for athletes because it's not that it's going to be a step-by-step -step guide, but it's going to be closer to helping them understand the health and performance uh, benefits of, of just nutrition in general. So I think professionally, I do, like, I don't want to change the world. I just want to change how my profession looks at the profession as a whole, right? And it, like I said, little by little, I am contributing to that. You know, personally, 
I just love trying new things. I really do. Like this, this COVID thing in this, like every summer, you know, is kind of my competition season as an athlete. And I kind of go back and forth between being a triathlete. I've gotten into obstacle course racing, which I love dearly. I'm an ultra runner, ultra cyclist. So a lot of different things this summer though, because there were no competitions, I called it my adventure summer. So I literally just did things that I wanted to do right? No competitions, no races, right? I was talking to my mom and she's like, oh, so you're going to do that race. I'm like, no, that's not a race. Like I'm just doing it. And, and you know, a great example, I, I did this, this run uh, right around the Aspen, Colorado area. It's called the Four Loops. And you go over four mountain passes that are over 12 and a half thousand feet. And, and I only did it because one of my friends posted this, her and her boyfriend uh, backpacked it. And like, I saw the pictures. I'm like, God, it's beautiful. And I'm like, well, I could run that. So I think personally, I want to do more of that and just say, if I want to do this, like a couple of years ago, I, I drove down to the Grand Canyon on Halloween and I ran rim to rim to rim. Just, I mean, granted, I was trained. I'm not doing anything stupid, right? But it's like, that's what I want to do in this next year is just do things that I actually want to do. Not that I feel like I have to do. Like, I don't want to have to compete if I don't want to compete, if that makes sense. My two takeaways from my conversation with Bob are, first, sometimes you have to carve your own path when you find a problem with no set solution already in place. And the second is, better coaches are the ones that know what their athletes are experiencing. They can see both the coaching side of it and how to get better. They can also see the athlete side because they've been athletes before or they are athletes. So they know the trials and the tribulations and the pain they're going through when they're in the off season or when they're right in the thick of the competition. 